Hey, this is Jacob Hudson, and you're listening to the New Strength Way podcast, where we guide you through becoming the strongest version of yourself through movement, education, and connection. Now let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the New Strength Way podcast. Today, I've got my friend Nick Cook uh, coming to join us for an episode. Nick is a personal trainer, strength coach. Uh, has had quite a bit of a uh, varied background, spent some time in the army, and he's here to just tell us a little bit more about his own story, uh, what got him into coaching, uh, what he's found from working with people from maybe his experiences in the army, and we'll just go from there. So, uh, Nick, we first met each other when you started working for Wellfit back when uh, Nathan and myself both used to work there. You were, how old were you then? You were only pretty young. (laughs) I was probably about 19, I think. 19, and your nickname was Superman, right? Because uh, <laughs> if anyone uh, ha- hasn't seen Nick, he looks like a, uh, a young Clark Kent. Uh, <laughs> Making me blush, mate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, well, let's start off with, with back at that stage of the journey. You were 18, 19, getting into personal training. What was it that led you down uh, that career path in the first place? So for me, I started out playing rugby. Um, so I'll give you a bit of background about me. I was born in Australia, lived here till I was eight, moved over to Dublin when I was about eight years old. Um, lived there till I was about 14 or so. Um, and it was in Dublin that I actually started playing rugby. Uh, and that gave me my sort of place of belonging, gave me my friendship circle. And then came back to Australia and really started focusing on my, on my footy. Uh, it was a place where I could belong. I had mates because I wasn't really into the... Um, whole surfing thing after living in Dublin for eight years. Is there any surf over there uh, at all? It's, it's big surf. Um, I think it's West Coast is where the big surf is in Ireland. Yeah. And it's it's big. Like It's it's not something that a beginner goes out and yeah, gives a sure. crack. Yeah, there's a little bit. But yeah, so then started having a real crack at footy. Um, set myself the goal of playing internationally. That was, that was my goal. I set that when I was 16. And that set me down the path of personal development and that sort of thing. Uh, and also gym work and human performance um, and physical fitness. And I basically fell in love with strength training in the gym when I realised how much better I got on the field after training a bit in the gym. Yeah. Like my, import, in, bleh, my performance improved cool. dramatically. How, how, so what was, the, what was the indicators for you? What changed with your performance? I just started busting tackles. Yeah? Yeah. So that was the biggest thing for me. Because I was always pretty wiry, like relatively tall, pretty wiry, didn't really fill out. So when I first when I first started taking rugby really seriously, I was about probably 60 kilos. So not all that big. Um, and I just found doing your squats, your deadlifts, that sort of thing. I just started busting tackles and I noticed it almost straight away as soon as I started training that I got a lot better yeah for sure and that's something that resonates with me like I, that was what got me into training in the gym initially is when I was playing league uh, I definitely did not have the goal of playing internationally I was just uh, <laughs> having a bit of fun and enjoying myself but uh, when with that it was a similar sort of thing like I uh, I was I was probably I was probably the other way around I was a bit bigger of a kid to start off with but I knew that everyone else was going to catch up like I, I grew early and it was a matter of like everyone's going to come catch up to me if I don't do something to stay ahead of the game. And uh, ultimately, the game did catch up to me <laughs> not too long after that point. But uh, the, there was definitely something to be said about like the, the benefits of 
training in the gym, not only like on that physical side of things, but definitely on the mindset. Like you definitely feel like you have that upper hand against your opponent, particularly at that young age when you knew like you were working harder than them. Yeah, without but a doubt. By the time you get to probably the grades that you were playing, like uh, when it was a little bit higher, like everyone's working that hard as well. So it probably takes a little bit of that mental edge away. But uh, yeah, like continue on from there, man. What, uh, so you started, you started feeling yourself, you were breaking tackles, you were playing better rugby. Uh, what led you from that point to then like deciding that you wanted to help other people with that? So basically, I had an injury in 2014. I did a bit of cartilage in my knee. So I took some time off. I realised that I couldn't keep playing footy for the rest of my life and that I needed a direction to go outside of footy. And the most natural direction for me was down the fitness side of things. So I thought, let's go get my Cert 3 and 4 in fitness um, start doing some PT, teaching people what I've, what I've learnt um, and trying to inspire people in that, that same way. Awesome, man. That's super cool. And was, uh, was Wellfit your first job when you came on board there? Yeah. yeah. So you were yeah. very fresh. Yeah, cool. so I'd been, um, I'd been doing some stuff with my dad and his mate. I've been training them down at the park three times a week and then in the pool as well. So I got a little bit of experience there and I actually brought them over to Wellfit and Mark... Mark oh, Queen. Queen. Queen is an absolute legend. Yeah, I love yeah, Queen. Yeah, I think he's still training there. Mate, if Queen's listening, he's probably not. But <laughs> thumbs up to you, mate. You're a legend. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like so you were there for like you worked with us for about twelve months or so, was it somewhere around yeah, there? And yeah. then and then you decided that you wanted to uh join the army. What was yeah. uh what was the thought process behind that? And then what what was your experience like in the army? You were there for was it twelve months? Yeah, yeah. 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 So Basically, I wanted to become a PTI in the Army, so a physical training instructor, just purely for the job security, the experiences, the footy, um, good coin as well. Um, and basically, when I joined, you can't join PTIs direct. Um, you have to start off in a different core. So for me, I figured, well, rifleman is the sort of tip of the spear. Let's go in as a rifleman, see what the army's all about. Um, so I went through that experience, which was quite interesting. And then, yeah, I ended up getting towards the end of the gap year. Uh, when I got posted, I realised that the army probably wasn't for me. And I realised if I could have gotten into PTI straight away, that would have been fantastic. But it wasn't the case. And for me to stick around as a rifleman for two to three years for me to get the qualifications required to go over to PTI wasn't something that I wanted to do. Yeah, sure. So, um, like, tell us a little bit more, like, what, what are some lessons that you learned from that experience in, in the Army? What's some stuff that you've taken back? Uh, is there anything that you changed about yourself in that time there? Or all? Without a doubt, the biggest thing for me was perspective. So, you don't realise how good you've got it until you get put into a situation where you're physically and mentally just drained you worked every single day so coming out of that you realize how much freedom you've got after doing that sort of thing yeah and that was the biggest takeaway for me the fact that um you've got day and you've got night all right you can't have one without the other yeah sure yeah. sure yeah i think they'd boot me out in the first week because i can't make my bed but uh <laughs> you had to learn pretty quickly uh, uh they would not be very happy with me at all <laughs> I think it was um, 15 minutes to make your bed, shave, 
and get dressed. And tell, that was for the entire room. But tell me about the training over there. Cause obviously like by the sounds of, oh, you had a very heavy like training background through footy and uh, like the strength training for that there. What was the training like when you, you were in the, I guess uh, those early stages when they were, I guess a, a lot of the military stuff seems to be that they're trying to sort of like breed toughness in you or bring out the toughness in you early on. Uh, or at least that's what you see in movies as well. So I might be yeah. completely wrong. Uh, like, what was it like there compared to your background in like your rugby and your strength uh, training? So it was very much more of an endurance focus, not necessarily speed, power, or strength. It was all about just marching and being able to maintain that and do things that you do in a combat situation. So stretch it, carry that sort of thing. So for me, I was a bit out of my depth because I've always been a strength, strength-based rugby player and yep. strength and power has always been my strength. So going into an endurance-based scenario, it was a little bit tougher, but the foundation that I had of strength and movement efficiency made it a lot easier. Yeah. So where I didn't get injuries, other people did, even though it was endurance-based and that's not necessarily my forte, because I had that strength background and I'd been training and my body was conditioned I was able to handle that a lot better than some of the other guys that weren't as robust yeah awesome that's a, and that's a really uh really big thing that we talk about a lot is like strength has transferability to anywhere yeah uh, but that doesn't go the other way around like we talk about a lot of the time with uh like other training methods and and they all have their place and that's that's an important thing to note before any of this gets said it's like but you can be say doing your high intensity boot camp style stuff but then all of a sudden you need to like do something where you have to physically overcome a certain load and like doesn't matter how good your cardio is if you can't pick it up you can't pick it up uh and you're pretty limited by that but if you if you've got the strength and power yeah sure some points you might need to slow down to keep on going just so you don't out, like push past the pace that you can hold but you can build your way back up and you're, you're always got the the general capacity there and then you just need to take your time working your way through it uh it doesn't work the same way around. Like the guys that are, you don't see endurance athletes go, all right, cool, I want to go play NRL now. And they just jump in and like, <laughs> sweet, I got this. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so yeah, well, how did you find the, the shift in, the, in that sort of training? Was, were you still able to maintain like doing some strength and power stuff out, outside of that? Or was it just like you, you just had to cut it completely for that time? Uh, there was a little bit of strength stuff, stuff thrown in there. Uh, there wasn't too much. It was more so creating a, a small foundation for people that hadn't done that sort of stuff before and the, the army is starting to realise and the defence force is starting to realise that uh, that's going to reduce injuries to their yeah. soldiers and their members and it's going to lead to a better performing unit. So they're starting to focus a lot more on that these days and some of the older um, methods and mentalities around endurance and just flogging yourself are starting to sort of get pushed to the side, which is awesome to see yeah i think i've heard as well like uh some soldiers come out and say well once they get past that point that and they're going into combat then there's a point where they need to be physically stronger than the than the opponent so that they're going to come up again so it's like they kind of get the endurance base first and then they build that strength foundation once they're in there in some cases and it's obviously going to be different based on what their units are and that sort of stuff uh but it's like it's also semi-common for steroid use in military as well. Somewhat like not in that initial phase, or sometimes of that. And this is just me being told through other podcasts and that sort of thing. I've never heard from anyone uh, personally. But 
whereas like it's quite quite common for the guys because they're doing so much endurance work to keep their muscle they somewhat turn to that in some cases there at least as i said as i've heard only um, yeah so i i heard about guys that were got deployed yeah so in iraq and afghanistan that sort of thing um doing steroids and that sort of thing to get big over there but i didn't hear too much about it being used within training environments within australia but in saying that i was only in there for 12 months so yeah. i didn't get too much exposure yeah it's definitely uh like like anything you kind of got to be on the inside with any, with any of that it's only when somebody else comes out and says something yeah. and then you don't know whether that's just talking a bunch of smack anyway <laughs> that's why i say everything is like this is only what i've heard i have no absolutes yeah. on it well, let's turn from your time there uh and moving back into you decided to come back uh jump back into the fitness space again what were some things that you maybe changed uh about your training moving forward or about the way that you train certain clients uh moving forward once you came back from the military and into your new ideas now so for me it became all about efficiency so it was about creating that foundation for people because i saw these guys getting injured they weren't very well physically conditioned um, for the jobs that they were doing so for me creating that foundation of movement efficiency and strength for people to be able to transfer into other areas of their life and create that foundation for them because it's a daunting thing to do like you see you see people lifting in the gym and you go fuck how do you do that and it is a skill so teaching people that skill of being able to lift and be strong is something that uh, I'm very passionate about and that's something that I want to create uh, and give to other people. Yeah, cool. Awesome, man. Uh, and let, let's follow on a little bit more about like that. With What's some things that you've found that a lot of people need extra work with like uh, alongside like the learning how to do those skills of the movements? Uh, what, are you, what are some things that you found with working through clients that have a really big carryover to them being able to take that on in, in other endeavors? Is there any particular exercises or like drills or anything like that that you found really helpful? I think the biggest thing is consistency um, and feedback. So immediate feedback, consistent feedback, uh, and just working consistently. Because you get people that they might come into the gym and they're keen and they, they want to do that sort of stuff, uh, but they're not 100% committed. And they get in, they might do it a little bit, but then they sort of take a backwards step and stop doing it and the lessons that they're trying to learn and the skills that they're trying to develop um, th they don't stick you need time to develop those skills so it's a matter of keeping with it so that you can develop those skills and once you've got them they're not going to go it's like muscle memory yeah so that's the biggest thing that I've found with people being consistent when you're doing it so if you set out to do that set out to do it and get it done develop that skill and then if you want to take a sidestep and not do it anymore you can and you've got that skill under your belt and it means that in the future you won't necessarily have to invest all that much money in coaches or anything like that you'll have that knowledge and understanding there yourself yeah for sure man and and that's sort of uh we obviously just finished training uh 15 minutes ago 20 <laughs> minutes ago or so now uh, and that was one of the things that popped up was i was i mentioned to you it was like i'm up to like year 14 of something like that of like <laughs> lifting weights and which is a long ass time when i think about it uh but i mentioned it's like well i've never tried to train the hardest like i'm pretty open that i like i train hard but i'm not like i don't push myself that hardly i have focus and intent on what i'm doing but i'm not like finishing one set and then starting the next straight away i just like cruise my way through and i think it's 
because I've put my focus towards that consistency. And I, I think that's a large part of why I'm still training now, as opposed to like, I started training with some guys that early on, like I think we, tr we all tried to push ourselves early on and like go as hard as we could. But I think they, as soon as they couldn't hold on to that uh, speed or that pace anymore, they dropped away and some of those guys don't like, don't do anything anymore. A couple of us, like a couple of the guys that I initially started training with, like there's three of us and we've gone in three very different directions. Like one of the boys, he's a, uh, He's a bodybuilder and he's real jacked. <laughs> uh, Mitch is a weapon. Uh, one of my other mates has uh, really pivoted in towards like the bodyweight movements and like calisthenics and that sort of thing. And he's really quite skilled at that. And obviously uh, like I've gone into the strongman and strength sports uh, space and that, so we've all shifted into different ways, but we probably all didn't try to like outdo everyone like every single week. It was just sort of, all right, well, let's still be doing this in two years time. And then in four years time and then ultimately now like nearly 15 years time is like that's a huge thing of just that consistency that's so that's super cool that that's what you focus on teaching people because that obviously has way more carryover than i think anything else in the gym you can have a yeah. you need to have a sound program but you don't need to have the best program but a sound program done for the next two years is way better than the best program done for two weeks and done yeah uh, let's um so you're training people now what you've also been doing some online training stuff what are some differences that you found in, in that experience of like having that face-to-face -face communication versus the uh purely online space is there one that you prefer or is it like how do you how do you find the differences between it i think they've both got their place and it's 100 percent dependent on the person so some people are better suited for face-to-face -face stuff and they prefer it and then some people do really well with the online stuff too it just it depends on the person. I've found that me personally, I really like the face-to-face -face stuff because I can give immediate feedback. Um, but at the same time, it is more costly than the online stuff. Uh, the benefit of the online stuff is while they may not get that immediate feedback, they've got the ability to get feedback uh, and it's a lot more consistent. They get a lot more support because I don't have to be there with them at a set time and a set place for a set period. Um, so it means that if they have questions, they shoot them through, I can help them with that. And it's the same for my face-to-face um, -face guys, but when you commit to an online program, that's the goal. It's more of a holistic, well-rounded approach as opposed to just in the gym, do the work, and then see you later. Yeah, cool. And, uh, and I've been on both ends of... Uh, both ends in both ways, actually. I've had online clients, I've had... Uh, and I've had online coaches and then same in face-to-face -face and uh, that sort of thing. So, geez, I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's definitely, there's a difference uh, in the experience on both sides that I've had. Like we, Nathan and I talk quite commonly about uh, Marty and Triumph weightlifting when we used to go down there and train down there. And like Marty would rip me to pieces on technique and I thought I was good. But <laughs> like by the end of it, like that immediate feedback, as you said, is like, by the end of the day, I was pretty good. And then the next week I'd come back and I'd, I'd, like some of it had gone, but most of it had stuck. And then a, a couple of weeks later, I was like, all right, my technique's dialed for somebody who's not an actual weightlifter. And I was feeling pretty good and everything was sweet. And then, uh, like, so there was a lot that we got out of that face-to-face -face piece. And then on the other side of it, like I've also had, because I'm a little bit more self-sufficient, when you can, when you know what you're doing in the gym most days and you might need just tweaking, like I've also had Brad that was my strongman coach initially, uh, which was extremely valuable for me to l learn the ropes and get through the ideas of the programming and uh, and get a, get accelerated results and still have that accountability there, yeah. but not necessarily like I wouldn't need him 
in front of me every day in training, which is uh, the good benefit of it. And, and then you're not limited to working with the, uh, like only the coach that's in your town as well, uh, yeah. which is obviously a, a powerful thing in the online space. Uh, so it is super cool. The, the differences in the way that the industry is shaping with that there. Um, let's start to wrap this up because I don't want to take too much time from you today. But what would be some things if you were to be giving somebody advice on like getting started in their training journey, what would be like a couple of quick key points? Like we've mentioned consistency uh, as a big thing for you, maybe, maybe two to three other points that are really important for somebody to take home uh, if they're getting started on their training journey. Maybe somebody you'd be thinking of that would be in the space of where you were starting out uh, in either your own training career or, or somebody that, would be, that you'd be working with now. So as a junior starting out, I think it's important not to go gung-ho, realise that it's a long-distance thing. You're not just doing this as a once-off. Develop the skills, develop them well, and then you've, you've got them for life. That's easily the biggest, biggest tip that I could have. Um, aside from that, yeah, I'm not really too sure. The biggest thing for me is consistency. If you can get consistent with it and just stick to it, yeah. make that commitment to stick it out and see where it takes you. And don't feel like you have to go in a certain direction or do any certain type of um, specific training because you can do what you want and different training will take you down different paths. And like you said, you have mates that went off on tangents completely different to you. So giving yourself that freedom and realising that there's so many possibilities that are there and it's just we train so that the rest of our life can be better we're doing it to empower ourselves so we can continue living the lives that we want to live it's not obviously there's a performance aspect of it and if you've got your sport and you're trying to excel in but in terms of longevity living excelling in the sport is really just having yourself feel good in the rest of your life too yeah. right in a lot of ways it's like enjoying if you do good you feel good yeah but exactly Exactly. So yeah. that would be my biggest thing, realising that training is just a tool that we use to empower other areas of our lives. Cool, man. That was awesome. And I, I think you touched on, like, obviously consistency, as you said, is a really uh, big piece for you there. The other bit that I heard uh, is, like, setting the foundation, like getting, getting the skill sets right. Like, it seems like skill development so that you, you have that self-sufficiency seems to be coming across as something that's, like, a, a powerful tool for you as well. Yep. It's like having... Uh, it's like if all you got to hammer, then everything in the world's a nail. Like, <laughs> you're in trouble if you if you need to source something, you got nothing. Like, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's a super powerful thing, and that is something that we we teach here as well uh, with a lot of our clients. Is okay. Well, once you once you've got this down pat, we can teach you anything else. Like now, yeah. and it's uh, everything else comes way easier rather than trying to learn. Like, trying to learn how to Olympic lift is really hard when you've never squatted. Yeah. Uh, and muscle ups are not going to happen if you can't do pull ups and dips <laughs> and that sort of thing but if you get those foundations set then you can transfer really well and that's something that's probably I think is a really good in indication is when when we look back at like looking at some of your training over time I know we worked together a little bit uh, oh, that was when we first started here at New Strength so that's nearly two years ago now when was uh, that 2017? yeah it would have been yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was some ideas that we talked about consistently and 
like seeing how well you transferred from, hey, we're doing this, and then we could just pivot and whether it be working on Olympic lifting derivatives or gymnastic stuff, like you picked up everything really, really well. Uh, and that's something that I know that I've found for myself with training is like, all right, well, cool. Like I've got a pair of gymnastic rings, better turn, like, learn how to do a muscle up. And it's like, well, I've been doing pull-ups and dips for years. So it only took me, I think, once I'd, somebody taught me how to do the, the false grip and that sort of thing, yeah. I think it took me like two days. Yeah. I learned how to muscle up and then all of a sudden I could do it. And a lot of those things come off the back end of having that right foundation set. And that foundation, I think we can put pretty well clearly comes down to having, having good movement quality yeah. and having a good solid foundation of strength. And, and then aerobic work and endurance, as you said, with the, uh, with the army is a huge foundation just to be able to do work. Uh, yeah. Like you, you don't want to be that lazy that you can't actually put in the work uh, or not that it's a laziness, but you don't want to be out of shape that you can't actually recover from the work that you're doing that takes you a week to get back yeah. in the gym after you've done your first session because yeah. that makes it, the consistency side of it really hard yeah. too, right? I'll tell you a, um, a funny story. So saying that the endurance side of things for me was always a stretch and the power side of things was awesome for me. When I went into the army, I'd always put myself down a little bit in terms of I was always behind on the fitness tests. I was always behind the pack. When it came to the strength stuff, I was sweet, but I always beat myself up a little bit. I was like, fuck, why can't I do that? Why are these guys so far in front of me? And people had come back after not training for a while and they'd still beat me and I'd just do my head in. And it took me, after being in the army, to realise that it was just a genetic trait. Like, I'd worked on it as hard as I possibly could. Um, got into the army and we were doing a running session one day. It started off as a 2K run. So we did the 2K run. I'm at the back of the pack when we finished that. Then we went down to a 1K run. Pretty well at the back of the pack after that as well. Then it went down to a 400 metre. 400 metre, I was up the front of the pack. 200 metre, I came first. And the 100 metre, fucking blitzed everyone so <laughs> another thing to consider is play to your strengths as well so in regards to your training you want to work on your on your weaknesses and build them up to a standard but focusing on the things that you're good at is going to inspire you to keep going and keep going down that path without sort of beating yourself up and feeling like you're shit because you're focusing on things that you're naturally not that good at yeah for sure and, and there's power in both like it's uh uh I know in, in business, one of the guys that I listen to, uh, Bedros Cooley, and he's a uh, dude's super cool, but he always talks about, he's like, why would you just work on your weaknesses? Like, you can pay somebody to do your weaknesses for you. <laughs> right? And obviously, when it comes to your physical fitness, you can't pay somebody to do your fitness for you. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'd all be paying for that if it was like, oh, I don't want to run. Man, you go do my running for me. Get me, get me fitter. Uh, but like in, in that sort of sense, it was like, well, if you just crush your strengths... Nobody ever asks about your weaknesses. Like, yeah. Nobody questions the fastest dude in the world as to how long it takes to run a marathon. Like, <laughs> who's ever asked you saying bolt that? Nobody. Nah. Like, they don't care. Nah. All they care about is that he blitzes 100. <laughs> but that's all that matters. So there's definitely some power into that. And, and it's like, I think the biggest thing with keeping up your wit, like stopping or actually working your weaknesses is so they don't hold back your strengths. Because at some point you do need to have, as you said there, you need... You need enough fitness that you can actually keep doing your uh, strength work. Yeah. You need enough strength that you can actually push your speed on your endurance work if it comes down to uh, that, how fast you can run it at a certain intensity or for a certain amount of time. 
the person who, like if you can't run any faster than that you can't go any better yeah uh so there's definitely that transfers both ways and there's definitely uh, something that you've hit the nail on the head is dominate your strengths have fun with it and just make sure you don't let yourself go a little bit on your weaknesses too much yeah. for sure yeah um any final words nick anywhere that people can uh find you if they want to watch your training or check uh see what nick's up to on instagram <laughs> see coach if- nick cook coach nick cook and you'll see superman <laughs> you should change it to coach clark kent <laughs> I don't and think just wear is. a superman suit <laughs> everywhere <laughs> i um jake lewis has the uh superman name now jake lewis is superman he does <laughs> we'll have to get we'll have to catch up with wally i think he's meant to be here this weekend for the strongman comp we've got running because uh a few of the guys from welfare are actually coming over to compete so it should be fun yeah nice yeah that's uh, brilliant that's it for today guys uh if you enjoyed this make sure you share it uh like and subscribe on this i'd love you to do that and we'll see you guys next week on the new strength way 